right, is this on? Uh, let's pray. Father, we praise you for who you are. Uh, thank you for your, your blessings. Thank you for uh, the mothers that we celebrate today who were, who were created in, in your image. And uh, our, our favorite parts of them is you shining through them. And uh, we thank you for who they are. We thank you for who you are. And uh, God, we're just so grateful. In Jesus' name we pray and we're grateful. Amen. A um, little different for a Mother's Day message. Uh, we are still tracking through the Exodus. I have two weeks left to get us out. We're talking about leaving seasons of life and what that's like. And we have tracked uh, the Israelites as they fled Egypt. And today is no different. We're going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about a lot of things. I'm going to give some examples of moms because, you know, it's Mother's Day. But really this applies to everyone. Uh, I've been kind of soaking this in all week as well. Uh, so just know that uh, when I say, hey, this is like this for moms, just extrapolate that to yourself if you are not a mom in here. So uh, before I get started, I had a really cool experience uh, yesterday. Uh, we have three different people who are in the house today. Uh, if someone could run and grab Felicia just real quick. Uh, I have a picture uh, this is Royce. Royce, where you at? Stand up, Royce. Go ahead and stand up, man. There's Royce, Dusty, and uh, Dusty's in the back, back there waving. And uh, we have Felicia who will walk through the door in a moment. We will all awkwardly look at her and, uh, yeah, there she is. Yeah, hey. Hey. All right. Hey, I just wanted to recognize y'all. Thank y'all so much. Uh, so they have uh, graduated from seminary. And yeah, yeah, so this was, this was graduation. All three graduated at the same time. I am so proud of them. You, Royce, you can go ahead and sit down. Thank you all so much. Felicia, thank you. Uh, but they serve in the church. They serve very well. Uh, Royce has actually only been a Christian about three years, and he's already baptized more people than I have. So uh, this guy's just killing it. But anyways, so now uh, all your deep theological questions, you know where to go. All right, so uh, the nation of Israel came out of slavery, out of Egypt in a spectacular way, but they were not ready to go into the promised land. So they had to wander first in the wilderness. And you know that God tested them 10 times uh, while they were in the wilderness, which is the number of testimony, and they failed that test. And so God finally looked at the people and said, you will not enter into the promised land. Your children will go, but you will not because you have not been faithful to me. So they wander for 40 years. Meanwhile, uh, they are exploding in population. A lot of guesses about uh, the population of the Israelites at this point, um, but think somewhere well north of a million. And, uh, and they're wandering around in the desert. Of course, there's not a lot to eat or drink, so God is providing for them supernaturally. Now, you know that you're in the desert, right, because we're not yet in the promised land, but because we're believers, we have been freed from slavery, amen, hallelujah, anybody, okay, that was weak, moms, 
what'd y'all do this morning? Moms, went, moms didn't make coffee this morning, and y'all are just like, I can't. I can't listen. We are in the kingdom of God, so we are already in the kingdom, but we are not yet there in full. So you know that's where we are in the wilderness. And so as the people are going into the wilderness, this new generation has come up. The old generation is dying off. That is not allowed to go into the promised land because they, uh, they um, sinned against God. They would not have faith in God. And uh, now we are, we are getting ready. We are, we are preparing to go. Uh, and you have this massive amount of people just slowly trickling their way north through the wilderness, and you see a people group uh, who has a a king, a leader named Balak, and they are Moabites, and uh, they see the Israelites coming, and everyone that has tried to go against Israel to this point has been defeated because their God is with them. And he says, I am going to give you the land that I promised you. And so the people are like, no, 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 this is our land and you guys can't come through. And so there's, uh, we, we have a lot of conflict, we have a lot of war. And so Balak, okay, we're going to get some names confused if you're not paying attention. So if I overpronunciate, it's, it's for your benefit. Balak is going to see them and say, oh gosh, we've got to get rid of them, but they don't play fair. Their God gets in the way every time. And so they're winning everything because their God is showing up supernaturally. It never occurs to him, huh, maybe we should embrace their God. It just occurs to them, no, we have to get rid of these people. Interesting, isn't it? And so I want you to know that as you wander around in the wilderness, out of slavery, but not yet in heaven, not yet in the promised land, that people will see your success, and instead of embrace your God, they will find the need to get rid of you. Can I get an amen on that? Now I got your attention. So you will find that the world will not celebrate your success, not celebrate your God, yet instead be jealous of you. And so what happens is Balak says, if they're going to play the spiritual game, I will play a spiritual game. And so he calls for a man east of him, around the Euphrates River, east of him, and says, hey, there are people south of me, and they are coming, and we need to defeat them. So I know that you are a spiritual man who knows God, Balaam. So I want you to come and spiritually, supernaturally curse these people. So Balak pays Balaam to curse Israel. And this is where we come into this story today. It's, it's something that even if you've never uh, read your Bible before or anything, you, you maybe heard in some sort of 
pop culture setting because a very interesting thing happens to Balaam. But if you've never read this story, really I want you to, to go home and read this story. Now you know that I encourage you to read your Bible, begin in the New Testament, but I want you to go home and read. This is about three chapters long. It's Numbers 22, 23, and 24 is this entire story. Read it in its entirety. See what you get from it. See what the Lord would uh, speak to you through it. Don't just take my word, but I think that there's quite a bit for us to glean from in this, okay? So that's in Numbers, and you're like, dude, what, what is Numbers? What is the New Testament? What is the Old Testament? No problem. Nobody expected you to walk in here a Bible scholar today, okay? The Bible is broken up into two sections. There's an Old Testament and a New Testament. The Old Testament is 39 books telling the story of God creating the world, choosing a people, and promising that a Messiah would come through that people to save the world. And so, boom, that Messiah comes, that is Jesus, and there begins the New Testament, okay? So we're in the Old Testament today, but as you know, this all points to Jesus. The whole, the whole thing is pointing to Jesus. 66 books in the Bible, but one story, all pointing to Jesus. Now, um, Balak pays Balaam to come and wipe the people out. But a lot of these people will never make it to the promised land anyways. Understand this. This is who Balak wants to wipe out. He wants to wipe out their children. Because those are the ones who will inherit the promise. Understand that the world wants to wipe out your children. How's that for Mother's Day? There's a little warning for you. The world is actively seeking. And when I say the world, I mean Satan. We have an enemy spiritually and he is actively seeking your children. And so does he care that he gets you? Yes. But will he settle for your children? Yes. It's proven over and over. Okay? And so he's going, Balak is going to get Balaam. Balaam is an interesting person because he's not an Israelite that we can tell in any way. Baal, a foreign god, is even part of his name there. Uh, he is not a, he, he's not an Israelite. However, he speaks to the Lord. And in the Hebrew, when it says Lord, that's the word for Yahweh. That's Yahweh. Okay? That is the God of the Hebrews. And so he's in a different land, but he speaks to Yahweh, the God of Israel. So he's a very interesting character, and this is why he has so much power, and he speaks to God. He fears God. He has a sense of reverence to God. Uh, but as you read this passage, you're going to think that Balaam is the good guy, but I'm going to tell you Balaam has an evil heart and he comes to he's paid to curse the children and eventually he will eventually he will curse the children but in all of this as we read you need to understand that the world is going to try to get through your children and sometimes they get someone who maybe knows about your God to do that somebody who knows your heritage knows your culture somebody who can kind of come in as a wolf in sheep's clothing to come to your children. And so you have to be aware. You have to be alert. Okay? Uh, remember this. You, followers of Jesus are the people who follow Jesus. Not necessarily the people who say they follow Jesus. 
Okay? I say this not to be critical. I've, I made up my mind a long time ago not to be critical or cynical about other Christians, about other ministers, and that has served me well. However, when it comes to my children, I'm looking for fruit. You say you're an apple tree, show me apples. Okay? If you're looking for a spouse, you're a pear tree, show me pears. All I see is lemons, right? You know a tree by its fruit. And so someone may come, and, and tons of horrible things have been done in this world in the name of Christianity, yet not one of them were following the peaceful teachings of Jesus. Amen? Okay? So you've got to understand that just because it comes in wool doesn't mean it's a sheep. Sucker might have killed and skinned a sheep just a little while ago. Followers of Jesus follow Jesus, not, not the ones who say that they follow Jesus. So if you've been hurt by the church, I, man, I apologize. And I've, I've probably hurt people before. Some of you are like, listen, I called you and you never called me back. I did, and, and, and I do apologize for that. But in that hurt, understand that that was our flesh. Whoever hurt you was not following the teachings of Jesus because those are peaceful. Now, our culture would say otherwise about some of his teachings, but you get what I'm saying. Now, let me take you into Numbers chapter 22. I'm going to start in verse 12 over on the screen. Numbers 22, 12. She's got it all here for you. How about that? You don't even have to thumb through. If you want to just hang with me right here, that's awesome. All right, Numbers 22, 12. Then God said to Balaam, you are not to go with them. You are not to curse this people, for they are blessed. See, see? I'm just bringing you into the middle of the story. Balak said, Balaam, I want you to curse the people. Balaam said, let me go see what God would say. And God says, don't do it. And so uh, Balak's men go back to him and say, Balaam won't come. And uh, let me start over. Balak's men go back to Balak and says, Balaam won't come. It's a brilliant story, but it's very unfortunate names, okay? (laughs) So uh, Balak, the king, says, Oh yeah? Go back with more treasure. And so they go back with more treasure and Balaam's like, I don't know, let me see. Now in in fairness, when you read this, he tells them, he's like, listen, if God doesn't want me to do this, there's not any amount of treasure that you could give me to make me do this, which is very commendable. He has a respect. He has seen God do some things where he's like, listen, there's a line I'm not crossing because all the treasure in the world is not good to a dead man. Okay, And so Balaam understands this, uh, but listen to verse 20. God came to Balaam at night and said to him, Since these men have come to summon you, get up and go with them. But you must only do what I tell you. When he got up in the morning, Balaam saddled his donkey and went with the officials of Moab. You're going to meet this donkey in a minute. And it seems like very commendable behavior. Balaam is saying, all right, I can't do anything that God doesn't tell me to do. They come back and they say, how about more money? And he's like, you don't understand. I can't accept more money if God won't let me do this. But it's interesting the language he uses. He doesn't say, I won't curse God's people. He just keeps saying, God won't let me. That's kind of like when I say, hey, do you want to go fishing? And you're like, no, 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 I need to spend time with my family. Okay, that's commendable. Or you get this. My wife won't let me. Right? Where's your heart? Where's your heart? Is it with your family or are you just like super shallow and just trying to make 
peace. And ladies, we know the answer to that. We're as shallow as you think we are, okay? 2 Peter 2.15. There's commentary through the rest of the Bible. Remember to always interpret Scripture with Scripture. So 2 Peter 2.15 gives us insight onto Balaam's heart on the deal. It says this. They have gone astray by abandoning the straight paths and have followed the path of Balaam, the son of Bosor, who loved the wages of wickedness, but received a rebuke for his lawlessness. A speechless donkey spoke with a human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. We haven't gotten to that part yet. But I'm telling you, as he goes on this trip, if you just read the story in Numbers 22, you think, Balaam is a good dude. I wish he was my pastor instead of this other guy. Okay? This is a good guy. I want you to understand that he goes, but he goes with the wrong heart because he is hoping for some treasure out of the deal. He's trying to get his cake and eat it too he says listen your treasure is tempting to me but I can't do anything that God won't let me do is there there's no sense of I'm not going to go curse God's children it's very much I don't want to be punished so I can't do this I wanna because I want your money Okay, so this is the sense that we get from Balaam as it says in 2 Peter chapter 2. It also comments on him later in Numbers that his heart was evil and then he wanted treasures as well. Okay, but this is a, basically he's going to go on this trip with this mindset. Maybe there's a way that I can curse the people and get the treasure but yet maybe not all the way curse the people. Like maybe there's a way I can please everybody in this deal. Maybe there's a way I can keep God from being mad at me, but also get money from these guys. And this is the problem. Because we play with things that we should never entertain Hoping that we can kind of get the best of both worlds. And I'll tell you what it's like. I actually brought some help today. Tinley, can you help me today? Now, we could use a thousand examples, but it is Mother's Day. And so this is my child, Tinley. Come here, Tinley. So this is Tinley, and Tinley and I love to hang out, right? The problem happens when as a parent I love my children I assume that everyone loves their children I'm kind of a fool in this I just kind of assume the best about everybody but but I don't think I've met a parent yet that had a kid just to curse them And so as we're with our kids, and many of you are like, hey, that's the reason I'm in church is because I thought, well, I need to show my kids a better way. Then I commend you. I commend you for that. But but what happens is we want to do what God has called us to, and we want to keep this pure. We don't want to harm our children. However, I have a hunger for something that I like to call a sin sandwich. And this is something that I would never let her eat. I would never 
feed my child a sin sandwich because I know that if I overindulge in this, it will kill me. I am not supposed to have it. I would never recommend it to anyone and I would never admit to anyone that I'm eating a sin sandwich. Can you think of what a sin sandwich might be? Now don't, don't yell it out. I've got, I've got a hand going up over here. Not you, dude. Trust me. <laughs> and we have this, and I know this is sort of a silly thing, but we have this thing and we say, hey, this is a sin sandwich, but I will keep it separate from my children because I would never do that to my children. And so I may overindulge in whatever this is, and maybe I struggle with, uh, with substance, Maybe I struggle in a bad relationship, and so I would never bring this man home to my kids, but I can go eat it over here. I would never bring this substance home to my kids, but I'll go eat it over here. And so what happens is we love our children, and and we want the best for them, but we want to keep them separate. But what's the problem? The problem is, first off, I have to leave them to do this, right? And as I, as I indulge mm, mm, in my sin sandwich, I have to come home. And so I would never bring my sin to my children, but what's the problem? Mm-hmm. We're laying it on thick. And so the problem is, I'm cursing the very people that I love when I am doing just what Balaam was doing. I'm trying to get both, but ultimately I can't keep them separate. Good job, you can go take that off. I have learned... I have learned from you all that if I keep wearing that, you are done with this whole sermon, okay? Some of you, like, we had, we had this thing where I built a wall, but it wasn't finished, and I had it for, like, six weeks, and I think some of y'all stopped coming to church for a while. You're like, dude, you got to build this wall. you got to finish this. I can't take it anymore. Now, the problem is that I'm going to take this uh, home to my kids and so this relationship that I would never bring around my kids a substance that I would never bring around my kids this attitude this lifestyle that I would never bring around my kids I spill all over my kids and here's the worst part and this is and this is where a lot of self-loathing comes in I'm the one that got her dirty I'm the one that worked so hard to protect her from this, and I'm the one that got her dirty. I need you to understand that Christ died for us while we were still sinners. And although we go through these seasons and we go through self-loathing, the Father does not intend that for you. He has something better for you. This is why we're going through an Exodus series because we're leaving that series of life. We're leaving that stage of life and going into something better and going to something 
new that God has called us to that is a blessing to our children and not a curse. And it is not too late for anyone. But we are much like Balaam in this. We're playing with things that we want to keep away and we can not. So God is frustrated with him. Okay, Numbers 22, 22. But God was incensed. Y'all need to start using that in everyday life. When your kids are like, how are you today? I am incensed. Okay, told you to clean your room twice. Uh, It means angry. But God was incensed that Balaam was going. Like God's the one that told him to go. But God knew his heart. And the angel of the Lord, oh, stop right there. Uh, In the Old Testament, best that I can tell. Some of you theologians are going to go home and check me. That's fine, do it. I've looked through, I can't find a place. I can find some that are questionable, but I can't find a place where I'm going to disagree with this. Every time, y'all ready? This is going to blow some of your minds. Every time you see the phrase in the Old Testament, angel of the Lord, that's Jesus. Okay? Well, why didn't you call him Jesus? Because God came to earth as a man, and his name is Jesus. Okay? But Jesus always existed. In the beginning, God said, let us make man in our own image. Who's he talking to? Jesus was there in the beginning. Hebrew says, everything that was created was created through him. So he's here. So we believe this is Jesus. But God was incensed that Balaam was going, and the angel of the Lord took a stand on the path to oppose him. Balaam was riding his donkey, and his two servants were with him. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing on the path with a drawn sword in his hand, she turned off the path and went into the field. So Balaam hit her to return her to the path. Then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow passage between the vineyards with a stone wall on either side. The donkey saw the angel of the Lord and pressed herself against the wall, squeezing Balaam's foot against it. So he hit her once again. The angel of the Lord went ahead and stood in a narrow place where there was no room to turn to the right or the left. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she crouched down under Balaam, so he became furious and beat the donkey with his stick. Then the Lord opened the donkey's mouth. And so this is where some of you were out. Listen, in the beginning, God. If you can get past that, God opening the donkey's mouth should not be a problem for you. Okay? If he can speak through me, he can speak through a donkey, says my wife. Then the Lord opened the donkey's mouth as she asked Balaam, what have I done to you that you have beaten me these three times? Balaam answered the donkey. I love how he's just like, Cool with this. He's just going to talk to her. Balaam answered the donkey, you made me look like a fool. I had a sword in my hand. Uh, If I had a sword in my hand, I'd kill you now. But the donkey said, am I not the donkey you've ridden all your life until now? Have I ever treated you this way before? No, he replied. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the path with a drawn sword in his hand. Balaam knelt low and standing in the path, uh, I'm sorry, and bowed in worship on his face. The angel of the Lord asked him, Why have you beaten your donkey these three times? I love that God is ticked about this. Look, I came out to oppose you because I consider what you are doing to be evil. The donkey saw me and turned away from me these three times. If she had not turned away from me, I would have killed you by now and let her live. Hey, how many times have you beaten the donkey that tried to warn you of impending danger? Or let's, let's rephrase it. How many times have you abused your mother when she tried to keep you from doing something stupid? That'll preach, she says. How many times have you flogged the very person that tried to keep you from danger? 
How many times? Ladies, go back to middle school. He's not right for you. You're just jealous. (laughs) Right? Guys, how many times have your parents said, this is going to lead to destruction? You don't know anything. And then turns out it leads to destruction. And you're just beating the very instrument that God is using. And I love that the donkey can see it and Balaam can't. He's a prophet. He's a very spiritual man. But he's so blinded by his need for treasure that he can't see. When I was young, my dad used to tell me that I would always stick my place in some, my, my, my head in some obscure place. I don't want to repeat to you exactly what he said. But apparently I spent a large portion of my life needing to pull my head out of an orifice of my body because I was so blinded by, by this tunnel vision of what I could see. I needed someone to guide me. And listen, sometimes you are the person that needs to listen to the donkey. Sometimes you're the donkey that's being beaten. Hang in there because had it not been for the donkey, the angel of the Lord, God, who cannot, will not, does not lie, says, had it not been for the donkey, I would have killed you by now. How many of you can say, had it not been for my mama, it would be bad already? Show of hands, anybody. Testimony from mamas. Mamas, hang in there. Hang in there. God will open their eyes eventually, they will see. Keep praying for your babies. I'm not saying nag, I'm not saying helicopter hover over protective. I'm saying look with spiritual eyes and see impending death. And stand in the gap. How many pastors have told us, and we just flog them? And this is how it always comes. Well, I went there, and that pastor looked me in the eyes and told me I'm going straight to hell. I have never heard a pastor tell, I'm sure that has happened before. I am sure it has happened. But a lot of times it's we are being warned of impending danger. And that's how we flog that donkey. That's how we beat the instrument God is using to warn us. And this is why we listen to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. He opens our eyes spiritually to see. Now, Balaam's going to go on to see Israel from there because God warns him don't you do it and I don't like your attitude right now <laughs> just reading the story we don't pick up on that it's interesting why the angel of the Lord is so mad at him but as we read uh, commentary later on in Numbers and in, 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 in the New Testament we understand that his heart was evil and so he goes on to see Israel, but God just speaks blessing through him instead of curse. Did you know that God said uh, that though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you should fear no evil, and that he will lay out a banquet 
before you in the presence of your enemies. And sometimes the very thing that your enemy tries to curse you with will be your blessing. Just because you see Balaam on his donkey in the distance, don't freak out. Chill. Because you have a God who is for you. You are his loved one. You are his child. You are his bride. And who can curse that? Who's going to play a supernatural game on God and one-up God? Come on. Numbers 24. After the third time, now he's going to end up doing it four times, but after the third time that Balaam blesses Israel instead of curses them, Balak says this. Then Balak became furious with Balaam, struck his hands together and said to him, I summoned you to put a curse on my enemies, but instead you have blessed them these three times. Now go to your home. I said I would reward your city. Uh, I said I would reward you richly, but look, the Lord has denied you a reward. And the Lord did deny Balaam a reward because that's what his heart wanted. Balaam answered Balak, didn't I previously tell the messengers you sent me? If Balak were to give me his house full of silver and gold, I could not go against the Lord's command. To do anything good or bad of my own will, I will say whatever the Lord says. Now I am going back to my people, but first let me warn you uh, what these people will do to your people in the future. And then he blesses Israel one more time. And he goes home empty-handed, which is further proof that God's whole mission was to bless his people and not just Balaam but apparently we're going to get this from Numbers chapter 31 and Revelation chapter 2 14. I'm going to read Revelation 2 you can write down uh, Numbers 31 if you want but before Balaam leaves Balak potentially because his heart was wicked in one last effort to get some coin He is going to give him some advice. Listen to what it says in Revelation 2.14. But I have a few things against you. You have some there who would hold to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to place a stumbling block in front of the Israelites to eat meat sacrificed to idols and to commit sexual immorality. Apparently before Balaam leaves Balak, he gave him some advice. He said, listen, I can't curse these people God won't curse his own people so if you want to get to them let me tell you how to do it send women send food that is sacrificed to idols send things that are tempting to them and eventually they will fall I won't need to curse them Because they will curse themselves. Church, if your enemy can't curse you, if your enemy can't beat you, he'll distract you. If your enemy can't destroy you, he will provide temptation for you. And you have to look with spiritual eyes and hear with spiritual ears to see what is really happening If Satan can't use you because you refuse to take a sin sandwich and you refuse to curse your children, he will send in temptation. 
and we have to be prepared. We have to be on the watch. Let me ask you. If Satan had to send an ambassador, if Satan had to send somebody else to infiltrate your ranks to get to your children, would it be hard? Let me tell you this. And I'm speaking, again, this, 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 is, this is to help you because I want the best for your children. Uh, if you have a, a boy, preteen, teenage boy, and he does not have great restrictions on his phone, if he is allowed almost no app with internet access, your son has a pornography addiction. Statistically, it is very, 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 extremely, very, extremely unlikely that your son does not already have a pornography addiction. That's statistically, this is not me reading anybody's email, this is not me, I haven't spoken to anybody this week, I'm not singling anybody out, I'm just telling you the stats. And let me tell you about his pornography addiction. Uh, He has a 2% chance of ever breaking it. It is the same stats as a heroin addiction, which is the most addicting drug. And so if Satan can't get through you to get to your children, well, then he's like, hey, just buy them a device and give me direct access. Better. Uh, we play before, before uh, church starts, we, we play a commercial uh, all the time about apps and things that you can get on your children's phones. And, uh, and people ask me all the time, like, how much money are we making out of that? We're not, we're not, nobody's paying us to run a commercial. I want to bless your children. And there is, there is a prevailing, I actually heard it yesterday. I was somewhere public and I heard this. Uh, I, I was in a shop. And, and I heard a guy say this, and, and it's not stupid. I'm not condemning anyone. It's not stupid logic. It's just not biblical. It's anti-biblical. It's against God. Uh, there is a, a logic that says, listen, kids are going to do it anyway, so they might as well do it here where I can monitor them. God does not ever do that with you. God does not ever get down on the level with sin so that he can monitor you in it. He calls you out of it. So, like I said, I, I get it. I get the logic of it. And I don't expect people who don't believe in Jesus to agree with me on that. And that's okay. I love you. If you're in here today and you're like, I don't even believe in your God and I don't even like you. Dude, I still, I, I want to be your friend. I really do. Like, I, I, I mean that. I don't, I don't try to hold people to a standard of Christianity if you didn't sign up to be held to that standard. But if you're a believer in here, God does not use that form of logic ever in the Bible. I'll ask you one more question. It just... For if you have boys, if you have girls, no matter what, no matter what. Uh, and, and again, this is not me condemning. This is not saying, hey, you're a bad parent if you don't do it this way. I just, I, just, I just want you to answer this question to yourself. You're the only one that ever has to answer it. And you don't have to write this down or tell anybody. Why does your kid have social media? What's the end game? What's the end game? What's the point? You see, uh, I'm a pastor, and so I get to walk with people in their toughest seasons of life. I have not seen anything good come out of it yet. In fact, I've even, uh, Dusty and I both, like, I can't even access it from my own phone because it has not brought me anything good. 
I've gotten pieces of news that I might not have otherwise gotten, and that becomes a dopamine drop, and it just adds to the addiction uh, of, of, of death scrolling. I got tired of n- neglecting my kids because I'm, I'm watching people cook stuff that I'll never make. <laughs> but, but, but that's an immature adult. I got away with that. Good. I thought somebody was going to say something. That's an immature adult. Giving social media to your child who is very immature, what's the, what's the end game? Why? Just think about that. Just think about that. It, it, again, this is not, not a condemnational thing. But Satan wants your children. This is my whole point. He wants your children who have the inheritance, who have the promise, who are part of the kingdom. And he will do anything he can to get to them. And so when we let down our guard and when we act like Balaam and say, I'm going to try to get the best of both worlds, church, it never works out. God is looking. Uh, Second Chronicles says, the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to see whose hearts are fully committed to him. That's what he's always wanted, is just hearts that are committed. God is the ultimate in parenting. Moms, you were made in the image of God, so the attributes that are the best about you, uh, guess who you get those from? God. Dad, you're made in the image of God. So the attributes that are best about you, guess where you get them from? God. And so we want to model God as he is the ultimate in loving his children. And man, he is a, uh, he's a loving, compassionate, graceful, and, and, and full of discipline. So here's my gift to you at Mother's Day. Actually, uh, as you exit today, uh, m- moms, um, as you go outside, we have a place for you to take uh, family photos. Also, we have a devotional just to give you today, as well as some chocolate-covered strawberries, which are only for moms. Kids, grubby hands off. You had donuts earlier, okay? So we have, we have gifts for you. We have things to honor you. But here is my, here's my go, go, worship team, go ahead and come up. Here's my, my blessing to you today. Uh, you're not crazy. Moms, hear me, okay? I need you to hear me. You're not crazy. Your kid says that you're out of touch because you're warning them about things and they say that's not a problem. Of course they're going to say that because they want it. So they're going to try to convince you that you're crazy. The world is going to try to convince you that you're crazy. The news says that you're crazy. You're being overprotective. You're being, you're being weird about this. Everyone's doing it. Nothing has changed. They're trying to play sight games with you, mom. Don't fall for that junk. Open your, your eyes spiritually, which, like I said, I'm assuming the best about you, that you have that, you, that you're looking out for your children, uh, that, that you're already, I, I, I honestly believe this, most of you already have safeguards on, on your kid's phone. Uh, but some of you, I, I know many women especially are, are single moms and are just like, a 10-year-old boy wants to do, yes, average age addiction begins is fourth grade. Okay, so maybe that's just kind of a, a wake-up call to you, uh, and maybe, maybe you don't understand how many young ladies are being solicited at all these things, and so I'm not assuming bad about you. I'm just telling you, you're not crazy. 
If you see these things and you think this isn't right, something's not right, that's the Lord speaking to you. That's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Obey that and make your kids obey you. (laughs) You're not, that's my gift to you, Mom. You're not crazy. You're not crazy. God is speaking to you, convicting you about your children so that you can take them to a higher height where they're not held down, where they're not addicted to a sin sandwich. But God is moving. God is moving and none of those things, listen, I need to wrap this up, but some of you are like, that's what happened, and my parents did that, and now there's a generational curse. Stop saying that, please. Some of you are taking that way too far. First of all, that's an Old Testament thing. Ezekiel, and another prophet, I can't remember the address. I didn't plan on saying this, but I need to say this. Ezekiel uh, said, there is a day coming when you will not say that anymore. And that day was when Jesus came. He said, every man will pay for their own sins. You are not in here under a curse because of something that your parents did. No, no, no. What you're seeing is consequence to sin. Yes, you saw the analogy. And my daughter was paying a consequence for the things that I had done. Yes, but she just went and changed and she's clean now. Okay? It does not mean that it's over for anybody. It does not mean that you can't get clean. I just want to help you be an encouragement and a blessing to your children. Never is it too far. I haven't, oh, I've just screwed my kids up too bad. Why are you saying that? That is is 100% against everything that is written in the Word. Not too late for anyone. The Lord is calling some of you out and some of you are like dude I was that kid with the jelly stained sandwich and I need to do better for my kids and I need all these things listen here's the first thing here's the first step you got to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior personally and then when you commit your heart to him he's going to iron all that stuff out it's going to be okay some of you are like listen I just there's so much chaos going on at home. I know, and you got a long ways to go. Guess how you're going to start? With the first step. Just one foot after the other. And the first step is committing your ways to Jesus. Think about it like this. Can you believe, can you believe it's 2023 already? I mean, this is like some Sylvester Stallone demolition man stuff. Like, that's a weird date. 2023, and you're like, holy cow, I can't believe it seems like just yesterday was 2020, and we were all on lockdown and all these things. The years are short, but at the same time, how was your week? It was forever. Listen to this. The days are long, but the years are short. All right? So the first step, similarly, might seem so hard and the second and the third and you're going to look up one day and go look how far we've come and that day's coming soon okay okay I'm sorry I needed to say that I didn't plan on that we have uh, a way better sermon about to be preached than anything I could come up with Uh, Jordan come on out Super warm, just for you. Hot tub warm. 
All right, you guys, uh, I'm, I'm going to give Raheem the mic, except for he doesn't have a mic. Uh, thank you, James. Run us that mic. Uh, listen, Jordan, Jordan came to my office, and we talked, and uh, he knows. Uh, he's got all the right answers, and uh, he knows. He knows the Lord. He knows who the Lord is, and he said, I've committed to follow uh, Jesus. And Jordan's last five years hadn't been a bed of roses, has it? And uh, so it's significant for him. He wants to be baptized on Mother's Day, and it means, uh, it means a lot to him uh, to be able to be baptized on, uh, on Mother's Day. Yeah. So we wanted, you, uh, we wanted you to know that. But listen, this guy is taking a step, just like many of you are. And some of you are watching this going, oh, man, I need to do that. I need to do it, but I'm so scared. It's all right. It's all right. Just keep taking steps. So Jordan and I got to speak, and, 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 and listen, when, when God calls you, he doesn't want to share you with anybody. He wants you all for himself. And so that's why we say, I believe in Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Lord means boss. He's in charge now. This is symbolic. Jordan will die to Jordan, and he'll come back where Jesus is in charge of Jordan. Not Jordan's in charge of Jordan, right? Will he sin again? Absolutely. You're going to rub his nose in that? and hey, You want to play that game? <laughs> yeah, he'll sin again. And you encourage him to get his butt back up and keep running to the cross. Yep. Same as you. But he's dead to himself. He comes back where Jesus is in charge. And here's the other thing. Here's the other thing that he's doing. And this is symbolic because this has already happened. He's taking a bath. Every one of us in here have eaten that sin sandwich, but nobody wants to talk about it. But everybody needs to be clean from it because you got a little bit of jelly, you know what I'm saying? But the Lord comes in and he cleans us. And this is the thing about being a Christian. We're not better than anyone. We have someone better. This is not being a better self. This is getting to the end of myself. So Jordan, go ahead and get in. Raheem, I'm handing it over to you. I've had multiple talks with Jordan also, and I told him that, that the fight doesn't stop here. It actually gets worse because the devil sees this and he says, oh, you think that water is magical? Let me show you, you know? So the devil doesn't like the fact that he's proclaiming his faith to everybody. So I told him, and we talked multiple times about it, but he's ready. Jordan, in front of all your brothers and sisters of the church, and your mom watching you. Do you surrender to Christ? Yes, sir. All right. Well, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Bear with him in death. Raised to walk with newness in life. Excellent job, young man. Hey, listen, the worship team is going to come up. When they come up, uh, baskets are going to come forward, and uh, that's the appropriate place to put in your tithe and offering. But also, you uh, were handed a connection card when you came in. Man, if there's something that the church can pray with you about somewhere, somewhere, some way that we can uh, help you walk with you through the season of life that you're in, 
uh, we want to do that. So please write that down on that connection card. Place it in the basket. And uh, we would love to get in contact with you. Better yet, prayer team, if my prayer team could go ahead and stand up and come to the front. You guys go ahead, just lay eyes on them and go, okay, I know who I'm going to uh, go, go see and pray with. Uh, my prayer team, prayer team will be up here at the front. And so better yet, we want you to come and visit with them. They're not in a hurry to leave. So come hang out, visit with them. Um, but for right now, please stand and worship.